The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. We're going to look we're going to begin looking today at the book of Galatians as one of Paul's early epistles. He's writing it to the churches, a group of churches that are in Galatia. Galatia is an area kind of like Contra Costa County. And uh, these are churches that came to be formed very early in the process of the gospel going out from Jerusalem uh, to the Gentiles. And so Paul writes to them, let me read you the first chapter, just to introduce you to the book. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to just introduce you to this book and what it's about. This is the letter of Paul to the Galatians. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, or through the agency of men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. In other words, he's writing to these churches, and he's including all of his companions with him as greeting them. And he goes on, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever. Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. In other words, I'm really surprised that you would turn away from this gospel that you received by faith and turn to a different gospel that has been ripped of the very heart of the gospel and you begin to believe it. He goes on, he says, which is really not another of the same kind is what that word means. It's not another of the same kind. It's a different gospel. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say now again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. I think most of us know what the gospel is. The gospel simply means good news, and the good news that has come to us from God is about his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the good news is that he sent his son into the world to take the place of of sinners in order to reconcile us to God and give us peace with God. And that's what justification, that big word justification is all about. It's about us coming to have peace with God. And and Paul goes on, as we have said before, so I say now again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For I am not, am, am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? And the question obviously is, you're seeking the favor of God. In other words, he wants to please God. And this is why he's dealing with this issue with them. He goes on, or am I striving to please men? If I were stri- trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among any countrymen, my own countrymen being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. In other words, he was, a leading, uh, he was a leading spokesman for the movement of of Judaism, and he believed it, and he embraced it. He says, but when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb 
and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, that is Peter, and I stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. What Paul is doing is he's defending himself against the attack of those who are trying to lead the Galatians astray from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what this book is about. I simply want to introduce the book today by telling you, showing you the structure of the book. This is a six-chapter book, six short chapters. You should be able to read it within about 10 or 20 minutes. But what he, there are three major attacks that Paul says are, have taken place by these who have come in among the Christians and are trying to tell them that the, the gospel that they believed is not true. They attack Paul personally, saying he's a false apostle. He never has been with Jesus or with the Twelve. Uh, his gospel is not from God. They said his gospel is designed to please men. His gospel is different than what the other apostles teach. And then, he, and then the second attack is they attacked Paul's gospel. He said he pre, they said he preaches a false gospel. He says the law can be set aside. The commandments of God can just be set aside. But in fact, they said it's eternal. He, say, he, he goes on, they go on. He says that you can be saved without keeping the law. No one is ever saved, they claim, without keeping the law. Even Jesus kept the law. And then the third attack is they attack Paul's ethical teachings. That is how we are to live before God in Christ Jesus. And they said things like this. He promotes sinful living. When you take away the law, you promote lawlessness and immorality. And now what this book is about, this little epistle, these six chapters, is all about uh, responding to those attacks. The first attack is responded to in chapters 1 and 2. And basically what Paul says is, my gospel isn't based on human authority. It came to me directly from Jesus Christ. And he says, my authority has always been acknowledged by the other apostles. And finally, I, remind, I remain firm on the gospel of grace, even when Peter and Barnabas wavered. And we'll talk about that when we get to that chapter. They actually wavered in the way that they followed the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second attack was, they attacked his gospel, saying it wasn't really a gospel at all. And he responds in chapters 3 and 4, and he says, he points to their own experience and to the Old Testament scriptures. That is, the, the, the account of Abraham coming into a right relationship with God. Abraham was justified by faith before, there was, before circumcision or the law. God demonstrated the fact that our, the only way to be made right with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. And he shows that the issue isn't who keeps the law, but what is the true basis of justification before God. And then the third attack is found, is responded to in chapters 5 and 6, and that attack is an attack on his ethical teachings. That is, how we are to live before God in faith with Jesus Christ. And uh, they basically said of him, when you take away the law, you promote lawlessness and immorality, and it shows up in the followers of Paul. They live godless lives, they claimed. Well, he responds to that in chapters 5 and 6. 
So when you read chapters 5 and 6, you hear him saying, he, he's proving that what they say is not true. That he's saying that the, the, what he teaches is that uh, Christ leads people not from the law, but to Christ, so that they might believe in the one who has made them right with God. And he, he tells them that he leads that, that this gospel that he preaches leads to an internal change through the Spirit. It leads to true liberty. People change their conduct because of what's happening inside of them, what Jesus Christ is producing in them. And so when you start reading this book, the first five verses of the first chapter is an introduction to this great salvation that we have received through the gospel that Paul preached to the Galatians. The cause of our, our salvation, he says, is grace. Now, grace is typically defined as unmerited favor. It's actually more than that, but it certainly is that. It's God saving us based upon his grace towards us, that he freely gives us salvation through faith. And then he talks about the effect of our salvation. The effect of our salvation is peace. Now, what that means is we have peace with God. That's called justification. And we have peace, peace with one another in the body of Christ because we are brothers one of another. And in fact, the, the great commandment that Jesus left with his followers was, he says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another the way I have loved you. And he said that all men will know that you are my disciples if you keep this commandment. And then it also tells us about the price of our salvation. He describes Christ this way. He says, he gave himself for our sins. In in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, it says this, he made him who knew no sin, and this is the he there, is God himself, the Father. The Father made him who knew no sin, which was the Son, to become sin on our behalf, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. This is often referred to as the great exchange, that Jesus takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness so that we are right in the eyes of God. We are reconciled to God and we are at peace with God. That's the effect of our salvation. It's also the the price of salvation he talks about here in this first five verses is that the the price that was paid for our salvation was Christ who gave himself for our sins. And then he also tells us the purpose of salvation, and it is that Christ might deliver us out of this present evil age. What what Jesus wanted to do when he came into the world in order to make us right with God was to reconcile us to the Father and to save us out of this evil age so that we would live our eternity in fellowship with God. It also tells us about the source of our salvation, It is according to the will of God, our God and Father. This is God's desire. The word will here has the idea of his desire for us. God's desire for us is that we would be reconciled to him and that we would live out our life here and our life in all of eternity in fellowship with him. And then finally, he says in these first five verses, he tells us about the culmination of our salvation. It's in these words, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. In other words, we have joined the doxology that is going on in heaven. A doxology simply means the expression of praise to God. It's an expression that God is glorious. And we have joined that chorus because we have come to understand that God is glorious. And so he is the one to whom is glory forevermore. 
So, and all glory belongs to Jesus. So we have already begun expressing that. When we get together as believers, we sing songs of praise and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ because we have already entered into this chorus of what's called doxology or expression of the glory of God that it totally stuns us. He is a glorious father. So that's what this book is about. So what, when you read this book, think through, I, I would like to give you this handout, and I, I'll make it available uh, either by emailing it to you or might post it on the website so that you can see the, the structure of the book, how that Paul is simply responding to these attacks on his ministry and his gospel. He doesn't want these people to be fooled. He doesn't want them to turn away from the gospel. He wants them to continue living their life in response to the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and expressing uh, expressions of glory to the Son who is to be praised and magnified. So that's what this book is about. And uh, I want this book to have a great impact on your life because it's all about justification by faith. Not justification by good works, not justification by obeying the law of God and the commandments of God, but justification by trusting God and him sending his son into the world to pay for our sins. So we come to have peace with God. That is, we are accepted by him, and that is called justification. It is much more than just as if you had never sinned. It means you have been made right with God. You have been accepted by God. And you're on, on good terms with God because you have put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because you have earned salvation, but because you have received it by faith. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn anything from God. You can only receive it by faith. And this is what God asks us to do. He asks us to trust him, to believe his word, to believe in his son, and to receive this gift of salvation. And that's what this book is all about. It's all about justification by faith without works. There's a passage in Ephesians, another uh, book that, uh, that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, when he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of works, lest anyone should boast. No one is saved because of good works. They're not saved because they keep the commandments of God. They're saved because they put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now that is, that's the balance of this. This is what lets us know that God is very interested in us living a life that glorifies his Son. When he says we are his workmanship, he uses a word that has come into the English language. It's the word poema, and our word poem comes from this word, and it means his work of art. You are his work of art for good works. In other words, what God has done in us, what he has accomplished through salvation, is to make us able to live our lives in a way that glorifies him and glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit. And so we are his workmanship. When we live our lives for the glory of God, we are expressing the genius of God and how he is able to work in us and produce in us those who know how to live their lives for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what this book is all about. Justification by faith alone is a surprise to some people because we get to thinking, the only way I can be right with God is if I obey all of his commandments 
And once I've obeyed all of his commandments, then I can be right with him. But I would have to continue to do that for all eternity. But what the Bible says is the way you're made right with God is by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness, his work on your behalf, so that you can be made right with him and become an instrument in his hands to live a life that testifies to his glory. That's, that's what it means to be his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He wants to use you for good works, for your pleasure, not in order to earn salvation. You've received salvation as a gift, and you will be declaring that through all eternity. You will be testifying to the fact that God saved you simply by faith in Jesus Christ, not by your good works. And this is why the, the Galatians were stumbled so easily by these false teachers who were telling them, you can't be right with God without keeping his law. You can't be right with God without keeping all of his commandments. There is a commandment in Deuteronomy 20, 25, verse 2, I think it is, when it says, a woman should not wear uh, the, the garments of a man. It's, that's the way it's translated in a modern version. What it actually says is, a woman should not wear the weapons of a man, because he's talking about going to war and that women shouldn't be forced to, to be a part of the combat. They should not be taking up arms and fighting. And that commandment is so misunderstood, some people have applied it to the way people dress, like it's, it's all about cross-dressing. But really what it's about is that God doesn't want us to turn to man's wisdom in order to live our life in this world. That God is able to empower us to live for him in a way that glorifies him, and glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. So what he has saved you for is so that you could chime in on the doxology. You could sing the praises of Jesus Christ because he has brought you into a, into a right relationship with him. You have peace with God, peace with one another, and we look forward to the day when we are brought into his presence. God is going to be delighted. It's interesting that in the Christian life, what we're supposed to pursue is not becoming perfect people. We're supposed to pursue delighting in God. We are supposed to live our lives in delight in the living God who sent his son to rescue us from our alienation from him and our distance from him. He has saved us and brought us into the family so that we could be those who testify to the fact that God has acted in a glorious way by sending his son to pay for our sins and to bring us into the family of God. Let me pray for all of you. Our Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for the book of Galatians and how it teaches us how we have been made right with you. It's not through our efforts. It wasn't through our perfection. It was through the perfection of Jesus Christ. We thank you that he was willing to come and take our place, pay the penalty for our sins, and give us his righteousness so that we could live our lives for your glory and for the joy of having fellowship with you. We thank you for this, and we pray that this book would be used in this way in our lives as we expose ourselves to it, that it would speak clearly to us that this gospel of salvation and justification by faith alone is the true and living gospel. It is the way that we have come into a right relationship with you, and we can praise you and glorify you because of your grace, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Respond to this message or learn more. Please visit calvarytruth.org.